Welcome to the Music Talk podcast with me, Graham Farmer. In this series of conversations, I interview some of the biggest artists, DJs, and producers in the world. I hope you enjoy this series. Let's get into it. Hey, there we go. DJ Spin, welcome to my live stream. Thank you. How you doing? <laughs> I'm good, dude. I'm good. This is my welcome to my my disco shed in my garden. Uh, <laughs> it's cool, right? Yeah. Well, this is definitely not my disco shed, and we're certainly not in my garden. So there you go. We're in my lovely kitchen. We we call it shed. We call it shed fifty four. So yeah, <laughs> I, I have. I, I'm speechless. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? Yes, it is. <laughs> oh man, that is hilarious. Yeah, we stream here on every day. We stream with loads now. That's awesome. We're celebrating a million views today. I've had a million views. I'm well excited. Yeah, man, that is like really awesome. Really awesome. Shoot, I've been on Twitch longer than you, and I don't have a million views. <laughs> Woohoo! Party at your place. Party yeah, at Shed Fifty Four. That's it. Party in the shed. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna shed Fifty Four because <laughs> I actually turned Fifty Three. So maybe that's what I'll have. I have a shed party at Fifty Four years old. There you go. If you come to the UK, let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, it'll be on. <laughs> How are you? It'll How was the? How's the last? Uh, how's the last eighteen months been for you? Um, obviously, it's been up and down for a lot of people. Mm. You mentioned switch streaming. Um, right. Yeah. How, how have you, how's it been for you? Um, <sighs> different is the best way to put it. Not bad. Um, mm. I, I, I can't necessarily say the best of times, but it's been different. It has grown me, I think, as a DJ. Um, I've, I've grown to really understand that, uh, um, you know, the, the, the art of DJing um, does not necessarily have to be in front of people. Um, the art of DJing is um, is complex. And I think that a lot, a lot of uh, DJs who would have never seen themselves uh, DJing towards a front wall or towards just a camera, you know, sort of in your own home, um, I think that has... Uh, literally changed worldwide so um you have you know at least with me um that was a staggering reality <laughs> it was a staggering reality check um you know waking up every sunday morning doing you know a, a praise party you know playing gospel house records and you know inspiring people the the amount of people um that have contacted me about being positively affected by, you know, what we did. Because, I mean, we literally, the, the week that the U.S. shut down was mm. when uh, Kelly came to me and she says, uh, you know, you're doing some live streaming. I said, I'm doing some live. What? <laughs> She's like, you're doing live streaming. So, I mean, and, and we just haven't stopped. You know, we started with Facebook and, you know, we continued on with Twitch and we just, we're still going. So um, that has been, I guess, the, the, the most challenging thing. And I, I would say the thing that has changed the most. Um, but other than that, you know, just, you know, being a dad, uh, 
you know, being, you know, uh, you know, uh, a husband <laughs> and integrating production work um, and studio work into, you know, sort of everyday life. And, and I've recently moved house as well. It's crazy. It's really crazy. But that's why I said, you know, these past 18 months have been very, very different. Did you get involved with the homeschool? I had to homeschool for my daughter because she, oh, she's nine, and and that was that was ridiculously hard. Like fair play to all the teachers. Like just trying to get to sit yeah. down to do an hour of it was just insane. I think that teachers are undervalued and underpaid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that uh, uh, yeah, as I, I just think that you know, which is another you know another thing that, that really. Uh, that I started to realize, I think more and more is that, man, these teachers and what they go through every day, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with one child, you know, they're dealing with several. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, exactly. Uh, yeah, man. It's just, just, you know, if you're a teacher, man, more power to you, more power to you. Me and my daughter ended up doing uh, video editing and, and making YouTube mm-hmm. videos and, and uh, what else did we do? Make it, we were, we were, we, we, just did anything that I could make a te- learn something and do something practical, <laughs> like like. <laughs> Man, that's awesome. Good, yeah. I mean, we we learned a lot. Um, <laughs> you know, Sarah definitely learned a lot. Um, so it's 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 been a challenging, uh, and in a lot of ways fruitful, uh, eighteen months. Um, you know, besides the. You know, I, I lost a lot of people. You know, I mean, when when this when this whole sort of pandemic first started, it didn't affect me directly until like months later. And then all of a sudden, you know, you, you see friends that have passed, you know, that are, that are like your age. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just one person passing after another person passing. This one passed from COVID complications. That person passed from cancer. But it was, you know... Uh, induced by some type of COVID conflict, just craziness with that, um, which is the other thing. But um, man, I don't, I don't even know what to say about that aspect of it. But <laughs> from from that side of things, it's, it's been it's been difficult. You know, I mean, you you kind of just realize how precious life really is. Uh, you know, going through a situation like this, really. Yeah. So yeah. So you jumped on live stream straight away. Um, yeah. How like how was like how was it like you like are you saying obviously talking to a wall that's that must have been fun. Man, a lot of fun because the the way that I initially had it set up, you know, I I didn't have a studio that was set up for live streaming. I, yeah. You know, I had the decks up against a wall. You know, and uh, uh, you know, and 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 everything was kind of comfortable and. And, you know, because I had it set up sort of like for production. So the way that I had it set up was, you know, the speakers were coming at me a certain way. Yep. Um, my my laptop was set up a certain way. My decks were set up a certain way. Now, all of a sudden, I'm thrown into the situation where, okay, how do I get a camera to work from that angle? <laughs> I can't. So, I, so the first thing I did was I had it set up from the side. And it wasn't really flattering having it from the side, but I probably had it from the side for... Uh, man, shoot, for probably the better part of nine months um, until I decided, you know, after Christmas, 
I decided to just tear down the whole studio, paint the whole thing, you know, set it up so that I could move my my decks around on wheels, you know, that kind of thing. Um, nice. It, it, yeah. So, you know, I mean, I literally ended up changing my whole kind of workspace around, not just to fulfill being able to have other family members in it while I'm doing what I'm doing, because I'm normally, you know, I'm normally at home. Wife was at work. Uh, kids in school, you know, you know, another kid at work. So I was always used to being home. And speaking of that, uh, here comes one of my my children now. I may have to mute you for a second because it's all right. If if uh, we if we do, I can we can jump in and I can play a record. We uh, so if okay. we do. We're all good. All right. Just uh, just give us the nod and I'll Go and I'll way, jump please. in and play and I'll play a record. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, so I mean, at in, in the very at the very end of the day, um, I changed everything around to you know sort of make streaming a possibility. You know, from that aspect, it, it really has been a challenge. I think it's been more challenging, just um, you know, which is the other thing. I'm so used to traveling around, you know, around the globe. Um, so you know, being just sitting at home. For the longest time, boy, that was challenging. Not even being able to go anywhere, really. Yeah. Um, which you know, when, when the pandemic first, you know, when, when it first started, I'm like, oh, this would be okay. We could kind of sit down, and have some Netflix, and watch TV, and eat food and stuff, and just chill out. Let's not do anything. You know, which which seemed to be um, appealing for about a week. Then <laughs> 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 that changed. Tremendous. You get bored, don't you? <laughs> Very quickly. Yeah, you know that 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 changed. You know, not that it was bad, bad, but it changed quickly. <laughs> and um, did you did you carry on Lemon in the label the whole time? Did you did you did you stop the releases? Mm-hmm. How was that? How did that happen? Um, we kind of had a uh, release schedule that doesn't really change too much. Um. It uh, even before the pandemic, uh, you know, we were doing, you know, one to two releases a week mm-hmm. um, and somehow we were able to keep that schedule. Um, uh, we had, uh, you know, and actually through the pandemic, we started to get and, I, I, you know, I owe the whole pandemic to Kelly. Really, I, I, I really do. I mean, everything that we've done. Uh, from doing the the praise party on Twitch to doing uh, Talent Tuesdays on Twitch, all of these things—they're her ideas, man. I'm just a record guy. All I wanted to do is <laughs> let's let's make records, <laughs> let's produce records, and make some music. Um, now all of a sudden she's just throwing these ideas at me, and I'm like, okay, well, let's see if we can make it work. Um, so so many different things, man, that we've instituted, uh, you know, have come from her. And even with, uh, uh, she's actually compiled her first compilation, uh, which I'm very proud of the fact that she did that, um, uh, which was compiled of, uh, you know, some Talent Tuesday uh, entries. And, uh, we know, she put it all together and, 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 and put it in a compilation. And actually, the compilation doing quite well. So, um, you know, so a lot of things that, uh, that came forth from the pandemic uh as far as the label is concerned um musically 
And what I'm going to say, uh, I guess it all has to do with music, but, um, you know, music wise, video wise, uh, art, you know, artists wise, um, you know, all of these things that kind of help to go with, you know, sort of the building of of sort of a record label empire. Um, and, you know, the, 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 we, we had our first festival this past weekend here in Baltimore where we had uh, DJ Spinner, Terry Hunter. Um, Mike Dunn was supposed to come, but Mike Dunn got stuck in some type of Chicago crazy airline thing where all of the flights from Chicago had been canceled. So, Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So so he didn't make it. But, you know, Teddy Douglas, Tommy Davis, Mike Freak, um, it, it was really a, a good day of music. It really was. So that was something that, you know, we're, we're moving sort of into uh, events as well now. So, they, you know, a lot of things that happened through the pandemic that are extremely positive. Um, and, you know, the record label, I have to say, I mean, didn't didn't miss a beat. I think the sales remained steady. Um, streams definitely went up. Um, but sales have remained steady. Um, did you did you see did you done. did you see a growth in your streams on your back catalog from people kind of streaming old stuff and people going in playlists of classics and that sort of thing? Yeah, um, you know, which is important. You know, one of the biggest things. You know, we've been going since two thousand and twelve. It, it, it's really interesting, sort of when you when you really look at it in the grand scheme of things. It's, it's like you know most of our biggest records, and I guess because of time being what time is, but most of our biggest records are older records. Um, you know, McKelly Kivarini, let me see you clap your hands or, uh, you know, Mark Evans until you, uh, you know, I mean, records that we did sort of in our first two to three years, you know, which of course, just because they, they have, you know, what I'm going to call legendary status, people listen to those records. And of course they build and build and build and build in numbers. Um, but you know, we've had things like party people, uh, crystal waters, which has kind of broken quite a few barriers, um, as far as streams are concerned, uh, so yeah, the, the 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 streams are have have kind of gone up, and streaming the the numbers are. Um, I'm I'm actually very happy with a lot of the numbers um, that we're seeing as far as what's going on with streaming with the music that we put. That's out. really cool. I, I guess I guess you're in one of those genres that people will listen to at home. And I know some other genres and some other labels have really struggled for it, but I guess mm-hmm. you're, you're in a genre where you can listen to it at home. You can kind of like, it's, you can listen to it when you're running. You can listen to it. You know, it's, it's that sort of, you're in that sort of genre. Yeah. You know? I guess, Whereas, I guess you could kind of say that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. some of the, some of the other tech, like say techno labels, some people, some of those you're not going to listen to at home because it's just like, you need a dance floor and you need to, you need yeah, to straight club to, music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas you're in, oh no, you can listen to these because they're big songs and they're big, essentially, yeah. You... Sort of love songs on steroids. <laughs> <laughs> love that. Yeah. So it's, uh, I was reading something. I don't, I don't know where I was reading it, um, but I, I, I was reading something about a year ago that said that dance music has become one of the most heavily streamed you know, genres, period. So that's all the way around. And I was, uh, it, it, it really sort of intrigued me because I'm like, okay, but dance music in general, 
doesn't really sell as well as sort of other genres, but there's more of it. So you have a lot of people creating dance music, and I think therefore you are seeing a lot of different things happening with people, you know, especially during the pandemic. Now, you know, you have to create your own parties, you know, at home. You sort of turn on your TV and, you know, you turn on your stereo system and you just, you know, you play music. And, you know, a lot of people after a hard day's work or a hard week of work, first thing that you want to do is sort of create this situation where, you know, I'm going out and I'm going to dance. So you create these dance floor things at home with these disco balls and blah, 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 blah. Or watch Twitch, you know, yeah. just get your groove on. <laughs> That's mad. Yeah, agreed. That must yeah. be like, you. obviously you've been a, a DJ for a long time and like now switching to mm -hmm. doing the streaming must have been quite like a bit of a head, like it must have been, like say a challenge but also yeah i guess which you i guess you've embraced and you're now you're still you're studying it now which is amazing i mean you know part of part of the the i think what helped me get through it is that you know as a producer you know you're surrounded by four walls and a lot of times um you know when when you're trying to finish a record especially now because most of the stuff that i do i do literally on a laptop I, so i'm a producer who produces what they say in the box. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of used to being like alone working on music, you know, <laughs> and, you know, I just, I, I had to change my mindset to say, okay, so now you're alone DJing two people who can see you, <laughs> you know, and, and, and it's mad because when you really think about it, um, I would say, the biggest crowd maybe that I've DJed in front of, maybe 30,000 people all at Ooh. once. Maybe. Where was that? And I think, I, I want to say that was probably Chicago for Chosen Few Festival. That was a lot of people. That was a, ton, that was a lot of people, you know, yeah. doing some things, you know, you know, like, uh, you know, defected Croatians, you know, some of these things where, you know, you just had like huge, huge crowds. But, you know, when you do a stream and you look at the numbers and you say, oh, my gosh, 100,000 people have watched that. <laughs> 500,000 people have watched that, yeah. you know. So they may not be seeing you live at the particular time. But honestly, we're reaching more people yeah. doing it this way than we probably yeah. ever would reach if we were doing something in person it's just the nature of the beast mm. um so i uh that actually blows my mind i mean you know you, you think about it it's like oh well you know djing is definitely a people thing and it needs to be done in front of people you gotta have to feed off the crowd that kind of thing is sort of missing but we're reaching more people you do, you do get a good like. You do get a good Twitch comment. Like, I like the comments on Twitch, and I like the interaction on Twitch on the, in the comments. Mm -hmm. And shouts to the to the OGs and the crew. How you doing, all you lot? Uh, see you over there, my little my little, my little, my little side monitor. And shouts to you guys. Yeah. Uh, we all we also have look. We also have the text line, so people can text in on this high tech device. Man, that is so high tech. That that's unbelievable, man. It's it's. it's <laughs> We have the text line to get it even more interactive. <laughs> and you can text it if you want. It's good fun. Just remember to leave it number. Oh, um, man. Yeah. 
Yeah, I know what you're saying. Like, yeah, I can't even. I don't even see my daughter came and stole my phone, and she knows I can't run after her because I'm talking to you. So I, I don't even know what's going on right now. So amazing. Um, yeah, I know. I know what you're saying. Like, we had we had loads of people watching us on the stream, and I was like, "There's literally mm. thousands of people sat watching me in my shed. It's just ridiculous." But sure, amazing, amazing. Earlier in the year, you released your 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 album, Soulful Storm. Um, so so it's six years since your first album, Transitions, uh, and this yeah. is your second. I can't believe this is on your second album. That's mad. Well, I mean. E- in a weird way, it's sort of not. Um, I was probably the spearhead producer for Jasper Street Company um, from Basin Boys days and uh, mm-hmm. um, from Basin Boys Records, actually. Um, so I guess technically I wasn't the artist with those albums, but I was a producer for those albums. Um, but as an artist, yeah, I would. That's yeah. Transitions was the first as an artist nice. album. That wasn't a compilation, like a straight artist album. Okay. You've got a lot of collaborations on this album with some some big names, and obviously, I'm guessing big friends. Um, this obviously happened last year. How did that? How are you working? How is that happening through lockdowns and through? through not being able yeah. to connect with people how did that was it a zoom thing was it a bouncing back and forwards yeah a couple of things happened so i sort of like had the ideas for them before the pandemic started so one of those things was uh this, this track that i did with michelle john uh on lead vocals uh called you are my friend um mm-hmm. and actually that's a song man that i've been working on for almost 20 years um i think uh when I originally did it, I was working with a singer that we were using at Basement Boys. Tried to get it right, but it didn't happen. So I shelved it. Um, when I started Code Red outside of Basement Boys, I tried it again. And this time with Daje. And I just I was like, yes, this is going to work. But she didn't have quite the right. I don't know whether it was, you know, sometimes you get, you you, you talk to an artist, you write a song, because it, it was actually a song that I had written as well, you know, lyrically written, did, you know, musically had it all in my mind. So trying to translate it to an artist, it just didn't work, um, at least not as well as I had wanted it to. Um, then, man, I met Michelle John, must have been maybe in 2015 in Ibiza. And or Ibiza, sorry. And uh, she <laughs> literally blew my mind. And you know, we kind of sat down and we talked. And I remember we did this over dinner. So we talked about it, and you know, she heard the concept of what it was. And next thing I knew, man, we were in the studio at Neil Pierce's place, and that we recorded that the summer before the pandemic happened. And uh, I think I want to say in August. So we recorded the vocals, but the music wasn't quite quite right. Um, so we finished the music during the pandemic. Um, and that was, uh, or yeah, during the pandemic. And that was right before, um, almost like literally right before it came out. So it must have been in like uh, August or something or September or something. So that, that had been in the works for a while. 
the track with Jovan, man, uh, Soulful Storm, the, the the album title, came together like gangbusters. There's nothing to it. Yo, Jovan, let's come and do a track together. Okay, boom, bam. Came up with it, boom. He did the beats, <laughs> I did the music. I said, hey, Tasha, it needs this. So to be, we go and we do that and put Tasha LeRae on it. And, uh, and, and actually, uh, again, here we go with, you know, my wife coming up with the concepts. Uh, so she, she said, how about doing something called Soulful Storm? I said, okay, that sounds interesting. And, you know, because my first, coming from where I come from um, and from the side of production that I come from, you know, we sort of hated the term soulful house. Right. And the reason why is because it sort of puts us in sort of like this category. So, you know, it, it was almost being like, okay, well, DJ Spin is known for this, you know, known for gospel house, but I can do way more than gospel house. You know, I mean, I started out doing hip hop stuff. You know, we did Girl, You Know It's True and, you know, these kind of records. So, I mean, really just knowing a soulful house or gospel house is like, you know, it sort of puts you in a category and then people don't want to see you outside of that category especially when you try to sort of spread your wings. But this this particular time, I said, you know what? Why not? Let's embrace it. Let's go all the way with it. And let's see what happens. And uh, so I did the spoken word thing on it, and she did a little bit of a spoken word thing on it, and boom. Soulful Storm was done in like a week. <laughs> no way. Shit. It was done I've, in like a week. It was crazy. I, I feel like we should listen to these records. Should we get them off? Should we play? Should we, should we play You Are My Friend? Sure, why not? And let's play this. Right. I put my trust in you, but that don't matter. I am not ashamed. No matter what they think, my feelings never change. Because I may never ever find a friend for loving, gentle, warm and kind. Question in the chat says, "Would love to know what equipment Spen had to work with when he started producing." Mm, when I started producing, man, I started producing on literally a four-track cassette uh, mixer, a Doctor Rhythm drum machine, and. Uh, sampler little blue sampler that you could trigger stuff with i mean honestly the one of the first records that <laughs> i don't even want to say this one of the first records that i did was a record called get the hole um and actually i did it with tommy davis and uh it literally was probably we produced it probably 84 85 and my boy and i produced it uh, when it, it had, it, we had just had like this catastrophic snowstorm. 
that like locked everybody in the house for a couple of days. So he was over the house and, you know, he 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 did the drum pattern on on his uh, I think he had a 909 and I was using the doctor rhythm and the, the, the you know, scratching records and stuff, you know, to create this this mad record. <laughs> it was mad. That's cool. But uh, that you know, if you ever get a chance, right? And, and, and you'll you'll see what I mean, man. So if you ever get a chance to um, to go to YouTube, I think it's on YouTube. It, it's literally, oh man, I don't even want to say who it's by <laughs> because no, we do, were crazy. But the record is called "Get the Hold." It's I think it's G I T T H E H O L E. I think you're gonna make me look now. <laughs> It's okay. It's all right. It's all right. We'll get. We'll get. We'll get. We'll get. Get. We'll get the, the team looking for you. Okay. We mentioned you also worked with a load of other people on the album. David Morales, you did. I got for love with. That's a big track. He's also Twitch streaming as well, Thank isn't you. he? On Sunday. Oh yeah, he does. He does. His, yeah, he has quite a few followers watching his uh, his show on <laughs> oh, Sunday no, mass every Sunday. Crazy. I, I see it. I saw it for sure. It's mad. Yeah, yeah let's let's talk about the record. How did that come about? Uh, and then we'll play that as well. Let's see. David sent me this track that he did that literally, I mean, it was literally the basis of, of the song um, where he had sampled, you know, that the, there was a record, I think, I can't remember who it was by. I think it was Pound Boys, maybe, um, called I Got the Love in the Music. I got in, you know, getting deep in the mix, whatever. So he had done the track and he had put that on top of it. I was like, ooh, that would be a killer record. So literally, I just started <laughs> writing this song to it. <laughs> I called him and was like, dude, what are you doing with that track? He's like, nothing. I was like, uh, send me the parts. So he sends <laughs> me the parts. I, I, I get my boy Real Soul in L.A., to uh, work on it with me. We kind of get it to do some changing, some moving around. Um, I called my, my my road dog, Tasha, Tasha LeRae, to write it. And, uh, you know, at that point, we were just thinking about, okay, well, who could sing it? And I'd just done a remix for uh, Carla Prather called uh, Never, I Never Should Have Fell In Love With A DJ, which was really interesting. I'm like, Wow. If that that song is so corny, you could take a piece of corn and take it to the cornfield and shuck it open. That's how corny <laughs> that record is. <laughs> but I, I I thought that it was different, and I really really liked her uh, her delivery of it, which is why we ended up doing a remix, and the remix ends up taking off and doing whatever it does. So I said, yeah, she would be really good for this kind of uh, like straight ahead, hardcore, uh, you know, sort of gospel dance record. Um, so one thing led to it, led to the next. You know, I, I sort of gave her the song. You know, I sort of sang it as a demo. She listened to it. She liked it. Um, next thing you knew, we kind of had a record, you know, and uh, it was it was just amazing. She was just Working with her was like really, really cool, you know. It, and she has an amazing voice, so you know, David and I were really, really happy with the outcome of that. That's mad. We'll listen to that in a second. Um, do you, when you take on, you're saying to me about remixes. Do you, when I mean, you must get offered a load, is there things you look for in a remix when you take one on? Is it what what goes what goes through the process? Um, in general, I'm just looking for for something in. For something, it has to be something in the song that's attractive. 
Um, and, and sometimes it doesn't have to be much. Um, you know, I, I, I guess the, the, the best way to put it is that, you know, something has to, to strike a nerve. If something strikes a nerve, then, then we're talking. It could be a vocal. It could be an instrument. It could be a sample. I mean, it could be, you know, a load of different things. And, and sometimes it's weird, man. It's like, it's like uh, as a remixer, sometimes I guess it, it's kind of like a doctor doing surgery. Okay, here's a song. Here's what's, and I don't want to necessarily say broken, but here's, here, here's a song that I can take and I can work on and turn it into something that, you know, I like. You know, I mean, here recently, you know, I did a record uh, and actually it was on Unquantized called, uh, man, Flowersons is the name of the track. Um, and I don't remember the name of the song, but it, 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 it's a record that came to us um, and uh, it, it didn't have a whole lot to it, but. I truly liked the vocal and what the guy was saying. And I liked what was going on with the instrumentation. So ultimately it was just, you know, sort of a matter of rearranging things and, you know, putting some, you know, engineering, uh, engineering it to such a way that, you know, it, it, for me, that first it was attractive to me and, you know, kind of have to put it out there and see what the world thinks. I mean, I can't tell you the number of records that I think are good. Nobody likes them. <laughs> but that one seemed to strike a, a nerve with not just me, but everybody else. So which was good. Nice. Um, should we let's should we play this? Let's play the Morales your track with the Morales. Uh let's go back into here. There we go. Okay. There we go. We'll play this and then we'll carry on this chat with DJ Spen. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's been so much it's been fun, so much fun. Oh man, thank you for having me. What a pleasure. I like I like I like being in the disco shed with you. So the last track on the last track on the album, Going Home, you did it with Soul Soul Few How the hell do you say that? Soul Few Right, Soulful Edge. Soulful, Soulful Edge, right. Soulful Edge, right. All one word. We tried to talk to him about maybe changing that, but he does he that with so Soulful Edge. So we dealt with it and we have made it a household name. Soulful <laughs> nice. Edge. Um, but then, but and coming up next, you've got you, the, the remix version of the album, which which today right. Kerry Chandler's vocal mix has come out. So talk, let's talk. Well, I thought we'd talk about the the Kerry's vocal mix and right. how and your you obviously you obviously know Kerry for a while. And I thought we'd talk about that. Yeah, I've known Kerry for years. Uh, it, it's interesting. Um, Kerry and I sort of. Uh, 
came up sort of a little bit sort of the same way. It's like, you know, it's almost as if, uh, you know, my life kind of paralleled his in a weird sort of way from a creative standpoint. But Carrie um, has always and probably always will be an inspiration to me as far as what we do, as far as, uh, you know, dance music, what it is. And the sort of creativity part of it, you know, he, he, and in my mind, pioneered uh, what, uh, you know, house and deep house is. Um, Long story short, I've been trying to get Carrie Chandler to do a remix for me forever. (laughs) I mean, like forever, ever, 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 ever. He's always on the road. He's always doing something. You know, uh, uh, DJing with a tennis shoe somewhere, or you know, trying to pull out some type of a, 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 a old reel to reel players and do. I mean, just doing really, you know, DJing with holograms and stuff. So he just doesn't have time. Enter the pandemic, yep. and all of a sudden he has time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, he, you know, which is very interesting because you know, I. Uh, you know, we were speaking earlier about certain DJs that just don't really want or have a desire to, you know, sort of do this sort of Twitch streaming thing. He's one of those guys, man, you know, and I, I think he's only done like a couple. Um, it, it's just not his thing. It's truly not. But, um, you know, he's been working on, and this is going to be phenomenal. He's working on an album project uh, for next year that's going to encompass quite a few different things. Uh, one of which he's, you know, like he's doing crazy stuff. Like, okay, I recorded this song. It took my studio setup, and I recorded this song in this club. And then I went to another club and I recorded the song in this club. And it's like, oh wow, okay. So he's like next level stuff. Long story short. I come to find out that him and I sort of work on the same program. So we're like PC guys where the rest of the world that does what we do for or most of the rest of the world is really working on Max. And you know, he works on a PC. I work on a PC. He works with Cubase. I work with Cubase. And next thing you knew, we were kind of talking and I'm like, dude, check this out. So I sent them the project and it came back remixed like a couple days later. Okay. <laughs> It was like it was just amazing. Um, so, needless to say, a few things. First of all, to have somebody who I respect as much as I respect to even be not just on Quantize, but to be remixing one of my records on Quantize is an absolute one of the most pleasing things I think that is, that's kind of happened to me since the dawn of of, of what we do on Quantize. I, he he's a, he is a he is a amazing individual, not just an amazing producer, but an amazing individual. Um, you know, we did a boat party at Sunset Beat together this year, which was just, I was like, wow, this is crazy. But, you know, it's, it's, uh, I, I think our relationship is growing. And I think in that growth, you know, you'll see Carrie and I do a lot more things together. Um, but but this this is kind of like the springboard, and man, I'm just overwhelmed with emotion. Really, every time I think about him remixing one of these records. Um, now the track came came along from uh, Soulful Edge, 
And it's a track that he's kind of had sitting around for a while. And I said, dude, um, and it literally, so it's track 12 because it's like probably the last thing that we were working on. And one day I was just in the basement, you know, sort of working and sort of just messing around, humming some stuff. So the vocalist is me. This guy that sounds like this guy to sound like going on down, going on down. That's me. Um, no way. Yeah, that's me. Um, you know, it sort of sounds like a sample, but that was by design. So, you know, I ran it through some software, you know, turned the vocal, you know, make it sound like, you know, I'm, I'm like this guy sitting on my porch in a you know, country town playing by <laughs> harp. Uh, <laughs> so um, and, and then Kelly, of course, I said, hey, come on and, you know, do some singing. Let's see what comes out. So she's the female on the record. So literally, during the, here we are during the pandemic. We're not doing anything. I decide, okay, let's go downstairs, get creative. Another record that came, uh, you know, pretty much done in like a day. <laughs> no just, way. It's just done. It was just done. And, um, you know, we sent it to, to, to Carrie. And I said, I said, Carrie, out of everything on the album, what is it that you like the most? He's like, man... That record, that going home. So he liked the original a lot. So like I said, you know, I just kind of sent him the project and, you know, a day later, here he comes with the remix. I'm like, yeah, you know, when it's right, it's right. That's incredible. And what he did was right. That's incredible. Let's 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 jump in and play it. Um, let's play. The artwork, by the way, I was, I was saying in the chat before, the artwork is amazing. Like, it's mental, dude. Like, it's <laughs> well cool. Thank you. Like, um, you're like, yeah, some yeah. sort of Marvel character. It's incredible. Yeah. yeah. Anybody that knows me knows that I'm a comic book fan. I think when I was, um, <gasps> when I was 13, um, well, actually, you know, even before that, honestly, I mean, I, I, I knew my life was going to take one direction. It was either going to be comic book artist, writer, or something that had to do with music what i didn't know but one of the two things of course the comic book thing didn't work out so the music thing took off and i'm like yeah let's ride that wave right there it's a nice wave let's just get on a surfboard and ride it um so yeah that that is kind of a sort of play on me trying to be a superhero are you enjoying this interview if you are consider subscribing to us on youtube and if you want to watch them live, come and join us on Twitch. The link's below, twitch.tv forward slash Graham Farmer. We have live interviews, A&R sessions, demo listening sessions. We get labels into signing records. Come and join us on Twitch. It's good fun. Let's jump back into the interview, though. Let's go. So let's let's play the Kerry Channel remix. And then uh, whilst while you get, let's play this.
Um, let's talk about your new, uh, the Terry Douglas album, Baltimore Philadelphia International album, which you've just brought out as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was coming out, sorry. It's to celebrate the 50 years of one of the great soul labels. Right. Let's talk about that. Tell us about well, it. Well, um, here we go again with people who I've, I've you know, always wanted to, to work with or be involved with Quantize. Uh, Teddy Douglas, who is... In many ways, uh, a mentor to me, um, especially uh, with everything that we did at Basement Boys. I mean, in, in a lot of ways, um, man, most of what I know, especially as a producer, um, came from Teddy Douglas. Um, as, as things went, I moved on from doing Basement Boys and went to Code Red and then, you know, eventually started Quantize. Um, and I've always wanted to have him involved with some of the music that we do because I love what he does as a producer. He's very, he's different. His approach is um, uh, unusual. Not not really, you know, if you look at a Teddy Douglas, most Teddy Douglas productions are very, very different. Um, and... Uh, you know what he's done with uh, this this project is 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 nothing short of just being spectacular. Um, so the long the long and short of it is that um, you know we were you know I've always wanted him to do sort of a compilation of mm-hmm. his favorite quantized records, and most of his favorite quantized records just happen to fit within that Philadelphia mode. He was like, well, look, you know, if I do a compilation, then, you know, I want to sort of be able to do my thing. You know, I want the parts to the records. You know, I really want to really do something, um, something different. I just don't want to take records and mix them together. I want to take the records, do my own interpretation and, and, and mix them to do my thing. I said, OK, cool. No problem. So it's been two years in the making and uh, it it. It just happened to land that he finished on the year that Philadelphia International turns 50. I mean, it's almost like, you know, you can't plan this stuff. Um, So that was just that was just a plus that he just finished. And uh, and this year is 50 years of Philadelphia International. So it just all kind of fits. And, uh, you know, his album is really, really good, like really well done. So, you know, we did Don't Leave Me This Way as a single uh, in August, and we are doing his full project in a couple of weeks. So Sarah Favoritism, I know, is going to probably be kicking his tail about uh, doing certain <laughs> things, <laughs> and I know it. Um, but you know, he's 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 very up for the challenge. Um, you know, I, I think he's he's in a very good space creatively. And um, I think we're going to see some things from Teddy Douglas in these next coming years that are going to be pretty awesome. Um, and and this album is, is again very good. Um, it you know from doing things like Tom Waits for No One, uh, like you know from Gene Carn that that he's remade with uh, remade with Carmen Brown. Um, he's done a killer version of Without Your Love, uh, which uh, which is a Spencer Morales record that you know I. I produced in in conjunction and as a co-producer with John Morales, who is another one of my favorite, favorite producers, uh, as well as people on the planet. Um, there's also uh, uh, another rendition of Bad Luck that Richard Burton did, who, I mean, 
You know, if there was anybody who could sound as close to Teddy Pendergrass on the planet, I think that dude is it. So there's several really, really good songs that I think it's a 10-song project. He's got up-tempo stuff and down-tempo stuff. You know, there's a remake of um, The Sweetest Pain uh, that we did a few years back by uh, SEL out of London. And um, he's done a rendition of that as well. So really, really uh, good, good uh, sounding, really good song selection. Um, and, and you know, I think it's a compilation that's going to do very, very well. And and he's done a DJ mix of these uh, of these records as well. So it, I, I, you know, so it's um, I'm looking forward to yeah. seeing what it's going to do. That's mad. And like, there's so many. Like I'm saying, this like you're saying, there's so many big names on this record, and so much of this, uh, so much good music, like so much good music to go through on it. It's mad. It's, it's incredible. Like, like you're saying, big yeah. records. Um, and I didn't realize he produced everyone from Michael Jackson, Lenny Kravitz, Crystal. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Should we play? Should we play a record? Let's play this one. Yeah, uh, we're gonna go, we're gonna go to here. Look, we've got a different one now. Well, let's play the t- uh, Teddy Douglas featuring Richard Burton. Don't leave me this way. Off of the All forthcoming right. uh, Baltimore International album. DJ Spin. Thank you for doing this today. It's been good fun so far. I think we've got time for one more record, and then I want to ask you about Dance for Stevie. Okay. Which you which you played at Ministry of Sound. Let's play one more record first, though. Um, I've got the new remix of uh, Michael Gray remix of Party People, uh, which you did obviously with Crystal Waters and Mike Freak. Yeah. Um, talk to me about. Do you want to talk about the, the original record, and then we'll talk about the, the sure. remix and how how you got into that. You know, here we go again. Um, you know, I was around. I was in the studio when they made Gypsy Woman. <laughs> I didn't really have anything to do with it. But, man, I, I, I just remember sort of walking in and listening to this thing that, that, that Teddy and Tommy and Jay were working on. And I was just like, what is that? I was like, man, Crystal Waters with what she did on that record was phenomenal. I mean, it's 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 a it's a dance. It's not just a house music staple. It's it's a music staple, Gypsy Woman. Yeah. Needless to say, I've always wanted to work with her on something, and and also needless to say, she's very picky about what she decides to write to very different um from that perspective um so you know you would send her a track now nah, that's not quite right you send her another one eh, 
And I've been doing this for years. Send her another one. <laughs> Send her another one. It's la da dee, la da da. You know. Um, so I was working with Mike, and I've been working with Mike maybe now for about a good four years now. And um, at the one day on a whim, I just say, "Dude, um, let's see what we could come up with as far as uh, as, as far as Crystal is concerned." So he sends me this track. It's just a do 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 do. I'm like, hmm, that's different. Um, different, not different. You know what I mean? It's like it's a throwback '90s track. Bottom line, um, sort of MK style. So I said, let's send it to her anyway. So I sent it to her with a ton of other tracks, and a couple days later, here she comes back. Ah. Uh, I wrote this song. I said, okay. It's like it's one of those tracks you sent. I said, okay. She says, it's kind of poppy. I said, okay. I said, it's a little bit different. Don't know whether you're going to like it. I said, okay. She sent me that thing. And I was like, I love that. I mean, it's just, we're, we're in the middle of a pandemic. And she's talking about, we are party, party people. The only thing that was... And it was a tug of war, man, with that record because we were like, should we hold it until after the pandemic's over or should we just do it and let it fall where it falls? You know, obviously because of the subject matter. We were like, well, we don't know when the pandemic's going to be over. (laughs) And this record is really, really good. So we decided to go ahead and run with it, Um, which I think was a very good decision. I think the, you know, the original version was well received. Well received online, you know. You had, you know, again, you talked about people who had to create parties in their houses, and you know, um, you know, alone, and you know, just a reminder that we are party people. This is what we do. We party all night long, regardless of what. Um, and bottom line was, um, it, it did what it did. Uh, you know, here I go again. I'm like, you know, reaching out to my favorite producers. Here's this record, this record, this record, this record, and this record. Which one do you want to remix? And Michael Gray picked Party People. Amazing. Which is a very unlike what I thought he was going to pick. I didn't think he was going to pick that. But he picked that. And uh, he did a great anthemic, lift your hands in the air, sort of forever version of that song. And I, I just... It's, it, it was unbelievable. When he sent it to me, I was like, yeah, this is this is the goods. Let's play this Michael Gray remix. Like a cheap cup of 
You've been back out right. playing gigs. You, you said you had your quintessential soul festival, and you also yeah. played for dance for Stevie at Ministry of Sound. Mm-hmm. Um, how were they? Uh, obviously, dance for Stevie's for Bobby for Stevie from Bobby and Steve. Now, man, I know those yeah. guys for a long time because they used to do parties yeah. where. Because I used to work for a nightclub, nightclub in London called Turnmills, and they used to do parties with us yeah. there, man. How are the gigs? How how are the crowds? How are the how is it out there? Really good. And the reason I'm saying that is because, you know, of course, you know, with COVID being COVID and having to take all of the precautions that you got to take, you know, to sort of be safe. The bottom line is it was good to see people out. It was good to see people having a good time. It's good to see people dancing in a nightclub to a proper sound system. It was, you know, it, it was phenomenal. Uh, Dance for Steve was a, a very emotional. Yeah, um, I bet. Yeah, it, it, it was what a what a tearjerker, man. Um, you know, it, it was it was lovely. All of the DJs played well. You know, the crowd was receptive to everybody, um, and uh, you know, just just one of the most emotional things I've ever taken part in, honestly. You know, quintessential soul festival was good too. Um, yep. You know, speaking of a hype train, it was sort of weird. It, you know, the, the the club is an outdoor venue. It literally sits, I, I don't know, man, about you know, fifty feet from a train track, like an active train track. No so way. at one point, I'm dead serious. At one point, the train comes by and it's like, bah, 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 bah. oh, you know, the music is blasting, and you just see this big old train kind of come by. And you know, DJ Spinner, he looks at me, he says, "Did you do that?" I just looked at him and said, mm-hmm. "Would you like to know?" <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. It was crazy. You know, so things like that, which was also an emotional um, event for us. Because um, uh, Alternate uh, is a part of a crew called the Girl Squad. And one of the members of the Girl Squad, Lisa Moody, passed away literally the day before. Oh, shit. And yeah, and Lisa, myself, amongst other, a ton of other Baltimore DJs, we cut our teeth at an institution that was built on that ground called the Paradox, which had been around since. The late 90s. Um, no, not the late 90s, since the late 80s, actually. And, um, you know, that club had been torn down maybe three, four years ago. And, you know, the, this other group uh, called Hammerjacks had acquired the um, acquired the space and it's turned it into like this open air venue. And, um, you know, for us to be the first uh, sort of event of that style in that venue was also uh, quite emotional. It, you know, these gigs have been really emotional here lately. But very nice. good. Very, very good. Uh, okay, I've got a production question. Uh, I've got a production question. What type of keys mm-hmm. and, and keys, organ, and pianos do you gravitate when writing? I like the native instrument stuff um, in general. Uh, you know, the, the, you know the, the stuff that they make for contact is pretty awesome, pretty dope. I mean, there are some other things, but I mean, you know, just from the songwriting standpoint, which which literally means that, you know, if I'm writing something, 
I'm probably just going to go grab whatever I can find in, you know, in the Cubase uh, that's inherent to Cubase, probably nothing special um, and just start, you know, start writing. Um, so, I mean, nothing really in particular when it comes to writing. Now, when it comes to production or actually, you know, trying to finish something, um, you know, that's a totally different thing. And a lot of times what I do, especially if I'm using a keyboard player, like a seasoned keyboard player like Gary Hudgens or, or Will Real Soul or Michele Kivarini, my goodness. You know, I mean, and, you know, some of these guys will actually have like a real B3 or, you know, a, a real Rhodes, you know, like the, the literal, hmm. uh, you know, machine, you sort of hooked up and stuff. So, um, you know, nothing in my mind when it comes to production sort of beats the authentic sound in a way. Um, there's a lot of good emulators, um, but, you know, for, for songwriting, it's, it's simple. I, I'll just open a door and just pull something in and keep on going. That's well cool. And you, you mentioned you you work in Cubase. Have you always used Cubase? Are mm -hmm. you just are you just happy in there? Are you just have you ever thought about switching, or is it just what was that? Why what was that process? I thought about switching. I, I think what it was was that when I was at Basin Boys, we were using Logic, and mm -hmm. at the time we weren't using it as a hard disk recorder. We were just using it as the MIDI engine to you know run everything. All I remember about working on a Mac man is. When you know a Mac is a workhorse for sure, but when it broke, it's like okay, you have to take it to an authorized Mac dealer. Okay, <laughs> you take it to the authorized Mac repair shop. The authorized Mac repair shop well, it can be fixed, but it's going to take a week, or it can be fixed, but you really need to upgrade to this. And it's like we were I, I, all I remember is that you know we had all of these projects and we were out of work for like a week, <laughs> so. Working on a PC, once I actually started working on a PC, it was uh, it was kind of refreshing to, uh, you know, if it broke, you take it to the cat around the corner that has a shop, pat, pat, <laughs> boom, 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 done. You know, no, not out of work for a week, maybe out of work for half a day. Um, so, you know, those are the kind of things that I like about working on a PC. And, you know, like I said, when I first started a you know, the sort of going the hard disk route, it was always through some type of Steinberg DAW. I just got used to it. And, you know, people all around me are saying, oh, you need to do this, you need to do that. I'm like, no, really don't. <laughs> really don't. That's cool. Um, Jono says, from a production point of view, how do you start an idea? Does it start with the drums, the chords, the, the lyrics? Where do you, what's the process there? And all kinds of stuff. It's mad. Um, you know, something like, uh, I don't know, all, all kinds of ways. Usually it's from a drum though. Usually, usually I'm, I'm a drum guy, you know, from, from my hip hop days, you know, drums really sort of are like my heartbeat. So mm -hmm. it, you know, usually I'll try to come up with a drum program to, to, uh, reflect what it is that's in my head. Um, but, but not all the time, man. Sometimes it starts with lyrics. Um, sometimes a melody, sometimes a sample. Um, so it, it just all depends on um, where I'm at, you know. I, and, and it's weird because, you know, people think that I'm so strange because I never, in the general sense, I, I don't listen to music recreationally. 
Um, so when I do listen to music for recreation, it's like really interesting because I'm like, ooh, that's cool. Or, you know, my daughter's <laughs> watching something like the Magic School Bus and I'm like, whoa, that's cool. <laughs> you know, I mean, like little little things. So, you know, I, I, I pull inspiration from all kinds of places. Um, but usually from a production standpoint, the start, uh, especially if I'm doing some type of a dance dance uh, production usually starts with the beat that's the usual that's cool um from a label point of view you obviously you put these big projects out these big albums and these big remix albums are you still releasing singles are you still signing music from um, what sort of artists are you signing um and how's that process work for you okay so i told you we do this thing talent tuesday on on yeah so we do it yeah how does that work how does that work so basically um we have people uh, send their demos into uh, the label. I think it's uh, Mike. If you're still in the chat room, can you just tell everybody what that uh, what that uh, email is? I think it's demos or music at quantizedrecordings.com, something like that. Cool. Um, long story short, um, we have people send their music in, and we critique the tracks right there. Mm-hmm online so we'll have people come in like bobby shaw we'll have people come in like kevin hedge we'll have people come in like kenny carpenter we'll have people come in like uh uh, you know we had barbara tucker Uh, (laughs) yeah i mean we've had we've had some really interesting names alternate um teddy douglas tommy davis is there every week with us so you know we have we we have sort of like a forum we go through we listen to the track and and we sort of rate the track from one to ten you know how we feel about them. A lot of signings have come out of that so much so that we have a Talent Tuesday album out now that's called Visions um, that is available on Track Source um, and I think it goes worldwide today. Um, so, you know, that's available now. That's like a compilation, which is the compilation that my wife put together of, of all of the Talent Tuesday tracks. And yours truly did a mix of those records as well, a DJ mix. So um, that's one way. Um, the other way, sometimes we just, you know, I, I'll hear some things, you know, while I'm out, you know, by some guys that are, you know, DJing or something in front of me. Um I've signed a lot of records like that. Um, you know, just DJs playing their own demos, you know, trying to impress. Oh, Spin's coming. Let's impress him. And I've been <laughs> impressed by quite a few. Um, nice. It works. So that, <laughs> yeah, it works. Oh, yeah. Oh, it, oh, boy, that works. Especially, you know, you get to hear it on a sound system, you know, and it's that's yeah. like the best. So. Yeah, you can like I said, you can always send your your you know demos into us at I think it's demos at quantizedrecordings.com. Mus- well. Music at quantizedrecordings.com. Okay, so we it's music it, at quantizedrecordings. Yeah, Thank you, Michael. Appreciate you. See what my mind is. My mind is everywhere. I can't even remember half the things I need to remember. Um what another question. How does Sven feel about how, how house music evolved over the years? Does he check in with hot subgenres, i.e., uh, or does he just kind of carry on it? Yeah. To be quite honest, you know, especially if I'm shopping, I guess because, you know, soulful house is, is inherent. I never go for soulful house first. I always go to like deep house or something 
just to see what else is out there kind of different. You know, I, I mean, I, I love Deep House, man, at, at least what they kept. See, but see, here's my problem, Graham. I hate genres. I hate what genres kind of stand for just because it's an inherent division for me, right? Yeah. It's all dance music, man. It's all music. Yeah. It's all dance music. <laughs> yeah, I feel you know what I mean? Um, you know, this, 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 this genre thing. And, and you know, I, I, I know that, you know, sites have to do it. You know, if, if you're, you're getting thousands of records oh, in a week, you know, I mean, the last time I think I checked, when, <laughs> like Track Source gets 5,000 records weekly, right? A week. Beatport's 25,000 records a week. Uh-huh. Right. So now imagine iTunes. You imagine what, what a site like iTunes must get, like 50,000 records a week? Yeah. Right? Spotify's so I, I, I realize that they have to kind of divide and separate these things to make it somewhat easy to navigate for the consumer. But my overall problem is that, you know, like, they, they, I think there's a Moose T record out th- right now. I don't remember the name of it, but there's a killer, killer Moose T record out right now that they're classifying as Deep House. And I'm like, okay, I guess I, I, I see why they're calling it Deep House, but to me, it's just it's House. <laughs> it's House. It's called, what you're, it's called What You Doing. Oh, that one, What You Doing. There you go. I've got it. There yeah. you go. Called what you doing, right? Killer, killer. I mean, just killer, just killer. And I mean, it and it. What what makes that so much different from a soulful house record? I guess because you know, I guess it has the breakdowns and these kind of things. I guess arrangement has a lot to do with it. But to me, man, it's all house. It's all danceable house. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be to me like a, you know this sort of division. Uh, within it because I think it creates barriers and you know the, the minute that you have these barriers you know people you know people will automatically just go to those barriers so if you like Moose T for his Soulful House records and you go to the Soulful House genre you will miss that record because it's not in that genre right if you like Moose T for his Disco House records you you know and 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 a record is in soul funk disco or something you will miss that record if you are a soulful house buyer so it it almost like it 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 just creates this this divide that 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 kind of puts consumers into this space that they could likely miss something just because it's labeled a certain way in general i don't like all of that you know i mean a good record is a good record man and what i try to do is i try to play especially as a dj i just play what i like so whether it's deep or tech or uh <laughs> or, or disco or soulful or new disco and all of that that doesn't matter to me I, I i play what i like and simple as that i just i just googled how many tracks are coming out every day on spotify and it's sixty thousand tracks come out on spotify every day now that's every day. We're not even talking every week. That's every single yeah. day. That makes that that absolutely makes no. It, I, that makes no sense. That makes no sense. Sixty thousand a day. Yeah. Like, how do you even have computers? 
<laughs> that's crazy. So, you know, when I sit back and I'm talking to, you know, younger, you know, or, or newer producers like Mike Freak, and I say, okay, here, this, this is a record that's, that's really good, um, but we need, you know, it, it's different. It doesn't necessarily fit a, a soulful house mode. It's more of a Beatport record than it is a track source record, or it's more of a Spotify record than it is something. And, it, and it's just, it's just like, okay, so what is the deciding factor to how we should put a record on a site sort of as an exclusive so that the, the, powers that be will support it or want to give it a banner or want to do these things. And all of that to me is rubbish because at the very, very end of the day, you just have to do the music and the music will make way for you. If it's good and people like it, people will find it. It might not even find it when it comes out, but people will find it. If it's a year later or two years later or three years later, people will find it. The key really is to continue to make good music and one way or another it'll come back to you because like i said man i you know i i was sitting with carrie chandler i remember in uh we were in italy and we were having dinner and this must have been in ah, the early 2000s right and i remember this cat talking about man i can't get a gig hey i can't do this i can't do that i can't do this i can't do that right now this is a guy who was especially back then he was like the James Brown of house music. He was doing two records a week, three records a week. Him and Masters at work, two, three records a week. Some of them deep, some of them vocal, some of them blah, blah, blah. So, he, so by that time, he had built this amazing catalog of music. And he's like, man, I can't do this, that, and the other thing. It took one gig in Ibiza at Circle Loco to change his trajectory for life. Mm. Next thing he went from doing, wanting some gigs to next thing he couldn't stop doing gigs and hasn't stopped doing gigs like since 2009 or 2008 or something. And everybody, like all of these young kids are so into the Carrie Chandler catalog, like the stuff that he did that he created in 1984 just a beating some it's like so now this guy who is not an average dj literally became like the dj of <laughs> all time with a catalog that is insane and i'm just like listen if this is really meant for you to do all you really have to do is the work and the work is going to speak for you because Carrie Chandler would not be Carrie Chandler, the, not the Carrie Chandler that we know if it wasn't for the records that he has, that he's done. There's such a legacy there. You can't interview Carrie Chandler without talking about the legacy of Carrie Chandler besides the new stuff that he's doing. You know, same with Louis Vega, same with David Morales, same with Timmy Regisford. Same, and, and these are the things that kind of, will you know that, that set them as djs you know carl cox forget about it man i mean it's just <laughs> you know when you have a <laughs> when you have a history like that 
it will make room for you to do what it is that you do and set you apart. But again, you're talking about, you know, people were just discovering Carrie Chandler in 2010, 2011. They're like, have you heard this guy, Carrie? Yeah. Oh, you know, Carrie Chandler? Yeah. I mean, talking to my my son, right? He's like, <laughs> you know, Carrie Chandler? Yeah. Oh, he's amazing. Did you see that he did? Yeah, I know he did that. I was DJing the same time he was doing those records. <laughs> Like, wow, he's amazing. Like, yeah. And, 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 and that's the thing, you know. So you have a lot. And, and, and speaking of, here's 60,000 records that come on Spotify a day, right? How many of those people or producers make one record and then can never duplicate it again? Or make one record and then can't make anything else that makes anything relevant? You have DJs that come in and then they're gone. I mean, there's countless numbers of guys that have produced records of through all genres. Here today, gone tomorrow. You know, the guys that have longevity in this are meant to do it and have done the work to establish themselves. You know, you don't become a Kenny Dope <laughs> overnight. It's a it's a process. It's it's a it's a grueling process. It's it's a process that takes time. <laughs> takes time. A lot of work. I love that. Yeah, it does. I love that. Have we got time for one more record? Uh, whatever, man. I'm good. Oh, here we mm. go. How about this? I've got you and Cornell Car- CC Carter. Keep your head in okay. the sky. Oh, it's Mike Freak's Zoom edit. Okay. Mike, I've got this. Mike Freak, you're here, and we've got your remix again. Mike yes. Freak's getting a lot of love today. Yeah. Right, let's play this record. Listen to you tell, tell some stories around some of these tracks, some of these, these stories of these tracks, literally all afternoon. So let's go back into the album. Let's talk about Nobody But You with Fonda Ray. Let's go for that one. Mm. Tell me about this. Oh boy. All right. So this is another track that from the concept of it, uh, we've been working on for a minute. Um, actually kind of started the idea back at Code Red. Uh, maybe about 2008, um, where we had done a track that was, I think initially was supposed to be for Mark Evans. So we pulled it together. Um, something happened and um, it ended up going to Fonda. And she loved the track. Came back with a song written to it. Um, and I loved the song. Um, but I think back then we... I, I don't I don't even know why we didn't really do it. Um, but you know, I mean the song was cool and and I, I remember what it was. It it just didn't blow me away at the time. So I just kind of put it to the side and kept working on some other stuff and just kept on going. 
in comes the pandemic, and I'm going through some some songs and, and things like that that I've worked on for a while, just seeing, you know, is there anything that, that would strike my interest? Lo and behold, here's this Fonda Ray record. And I listened to it and was like, ah, it's a little kind of not really timely. So I, I decided to just give it a whole nother work over, worked it over, changed the track, um, and, and uh, sort of went for like this must be the music vibe and um lo and behold man it, it turned out to be nobody but you which is kind of slightly different from everything else it's kind of a disco-y throwback record not not a kind of average you know house record or soulful house record or disco house it's just kind of a funky track so we kind of managed to uh get it together and make it work with Fonda's kind of quirky vocals, real quirky vocals. And, you know, next thing you know, we had nobody but you. Sounds perfect for my disco shit, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it fits that vibe quite nicely. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking quite that. Quite nicely. <laughs> quite um, nice. you, work, you work with a lot of vocalists. How do you how do you choose which one's going to be on each track? How's that? How does that process work for you? Um, I, I kind of let, uh, unless I already have some kind of preconceived thought about who I want on a record, um, I kind of let the track do the talking. So, you know, a lot of times we'll come up with, with, you know, like I said, you know, start from like the drums, we'll, you know, I'll call a musician in, work out whatever idea that's going to be. And then, you know, once we have sort of like a good working demo, um, you know, then those ideas just start to come. It's like, oh, wow, man, I think, well, Jocelyn Brown or a Jocelyn Brown type of vibe would fit really well on this or kind of a smoother, you know, kind of classic R&B vibe or, you know, sort of like a newer kind of, uh, for lack of a better term, Beyonce-ish uh, type of vibe or, you know, something, you know, even a, a little more sort of raw and gritty, uh you know, sort of like, a, you know, Vonita White kind of church vibe. Um, so, you know, I mean, the, the fortunate thing about us is that we have so many good vocalists in our area, um, right. you know, that we could work with. Uh, it's, it's really amazing the amount of vocalists that, that are, you know, we have access to. Um, and, um, you know, so I kind of let the track do the talking and... Um, you know, sort of go from there. You know, if the track kind of leads me a certain way, it leads me a certain way. I know, I know, I know so many artists struggle with vocalists, and you've you've got a whole stack of them just there. Mad. <laughs> yeah, we, we we have quite definitely blessed to be around a lot of decent vocalists. It's crazy, almost. Okay, let's play this track. Let's go for it.
Haven't heard that in a minute. Actually, I've really loved that. <laughs> yeah, it's lovely. Yeah. So, were you? When are you? You're, so, you're playing next on Sunday on Twitch, and we can come and yes. see you for the UK. For the UK, it'll be in the afternoon, your morning. Yeah. Yep. So around. Um, depending on how deep I go music, usually I start. I start around two, and I go into some really deep stuff. Very deep. Um, so I, you know, play a lot of soul. Um, you know, a lot of gospel stuff, some down tempo stuff. Then by three o'clock, it's full on, baby. Gospel house all the way. Boom. How long? How long do you play for on a, on, a, on your Twitch streams? It all depends. Um, I normally won't go more than two or three hours, um, but it's, it, it kind of all depends. So um, you know, it, it depends on the Sunday, what's going on, what what people are sort of into. You know, who needs some inspiration, that kind of thing. So it's it's a really inspirational, um, good time. So yeah, join if you can. I will do. We'll we'll pop in. I did a nine I did a nine hour stream a couple of weeks ago and it was ridiculous. And it was just me and more the power to you. It was it was more it power was, to b- you. By the end of it, I was just like, <laughs> oh, I need to stand up and I need to walk about. Yeah. Yeah, imagine that live streaming for nine hours. Not me. Three or four, okay, that's fine. But nine, I mean, I don't know. The people will have to really do something to make me want to have to DJ for like 10 hours or something crazy. Like, mm -mm. I don't even think my family, my family would be like, "Uh, yo, what are you doing? (laughs) I know what my wife would say. My wife would be like, "Uh, playtime's over. (laughs) <laughs> amazing thank you so much DJ Spen for joining me thank you so much for thank your time thank you I appreciate you Graham I really do really it's do it's been good fun thank you it's been good fun I'll All see right. you very soon take care everybody so bye